Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are a great God, you are a mighty God, you are a creating God, yet you are also a merciful God. You're a generous God. You're a God who gives good things to us, just as an earthly father takes joy in giving good things to his children, even more so, Lord. You take joy in giving good things to us, even when we don't deserve it, which is always. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for our veterans. We thank you for the many ways that you have brought us together as a church family to share in a common salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the births and the marriages that have taken place at the church. We thank you for the skills and the talents and the resources that you have given us to enable us to do ministries and events that are joyful but also impactful. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you, Lord. We recognize that all of this is a product of your generosity and mercy, that it's nothing that we've earned, it's nothing that we're owed, but that these are things that we can be thankful for because they are an expression of your goodness. So we celebrate your goodness, God. We worship you because of your goodness, and we pray that you continue by your mercy and your grace to be good to us. Be good to us, especially this morning as we open your word. May you teach us, may you sharpen us, may you sanctify us to submit and serve and honor you in all areas of our life. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the greatest thing that you have given us. Amen. Wives, submit to your husbands. This command from God is countercultural to today's world. Not only does the secular world hate these words, But even self-proclaimed churches recoil at the sound of it. In fact, they act as if they are embarrassed by it. Either they don't teach it at all and pretend that verses that tell wives to submit to their husbands don't exist, or when they do preach on those verses, they bring up Greek words to try to redefine what the verses clearly say in English. Or perhaps they find some obscure example from historical context to explain away what God clearly says. Even in a well-meaning church that is existent all over the country, these well-meaning churches that may proclaim the Bible accurately in all other areas when it comes to this area, soften its blow. Often they'll do this by preaching verses about what women should do only in tandem with verses about what men should do. That way they can put most of the focus on the requirements of the men, make the requirements of the women an afterthought, or even worse, some kind of incentive that is only something that can be earned and won if the guy does some kind of behavior. All of this should not be a surprise. We live in both a feminized world and a feminized Christianity. The majority of congregations in America consist of mostly women, and more than ever, women pastors are pervasive in churches across the United States, even churches in our own region. Our culture is one that rejects God-given femininity for man-made feminism. And this idolatry is so widespread, it has led many sincere, well-meaning Christians to see the call for wives to submit to their husbands as suspicious. 
Maybe even you sitting here this morning, you hear a command like this and you see a verse and there's a certain feeling of suspicion that you might have about what this could mean. Because ultimately, the question at hand is much bigger than whether or not wives should be in submission to their husbands. The question at hand is, can God's word be trusted? And is Christ truly Lord in all matters of life? When it comes to wives submitting to their husbands, every attempt to question or confuse or to re-explain what God has said actually mimics what the serpent said regarding the first command given to the first woman in the garden, which was this, did God really say? And that's what we must answer today. Did God really say? In 2023, does God really require wives to submit to their husbands? And if so, what does that look like for the wives former wives, and future wives of our church. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Because even though we may have questions, God has given us a book with answers. And that answer is going to be found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Just one verse this morning, focusing only on God's command to wives. And as you turn there, please remember last Sunday's sermon. The only way to truly understand the command given in verse 18 is to accurately understand the command given in verse 17, where God through Paul says that in whatever you do, in word or deed, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And here's the crazy thing. Paul actually meant it. Because in the verses after verse 17, after he says that Christ should be Lord and Master over everything in your life, that everything you should do should be in submission to Christ, in the verses right after that, he cuts to the most practical, relatable, and frankly sensitive areas of your life where you could submit to Christ, both for women and men and children and workers. It reminds me of the preacher who went to visit the farmer. And the preacher went to see the farmer and he said, Farmer, if God asked you for your chickens, would you give God your chickens? The farmer said, well, of course I would, Pastor. Yes, I, I think I would do that. And then the pastor said, well, okay, that's, that's impressive. What if God desired your cow? Would you give your cow to the Lord, if he demanded that of you. And the farmer said, you know, I think I would. I, I think I would give God my cow if that's what he asked of me. And then the pastor said, well, that's very generous of you. Let me ask you this. If God asked you for your horse, would you even be willing to give your horse to him? And the farmer said, pastor, that's not fair. You know I have a horse. And that's almost what's happening with these verses. It's easy to say that we will do everything for God, it's harder when God's word immediately following that kind of command gives you explicit examples of how exactly you can make Christ Lord of your life. And in Colossians 3.18, the command to wives is that they can submit to Christ by submitting to their husband. That's your big idea, actually, for this morning. 
Notice how similar the big idea is to the verse itself. It's almost verbatim. There's a reason for that. The reason is that this is not a confusing verse. This is not an unclear verse. This is not a verse that has historical context challenges or complicated Greek. What was being communicated to the original audience 2,000 years ago is the same thing that's being communicated today. It's a very straightforward verse that wives are called to submit to Christ, like we saw in verse 17, specifically in verse 18, by submitting to their husbands. And we're going to break this verse in half and look at two major points explaining exactly why this is the case and what it should look like in your life. So the first point is going to focus on the first half of the verse, which is going to be this, that wives should willingly submit themselves under the authority of their husbands. That is your first point. Wives should willingly submit themselves under the authority of their husbands. You see this in the first half of the verse where it says, wives submit to your husbands. If it sounds as if my preaching is just being repetitive of Scripture, then praise the Lord, right? It's almost as as if that's what preaching should be, just a repeating of what God has already clearly said. But let's take out the exegetical microscope, so to speak, and look at the meaning individually of each of these words, specifically the first word in verse 18, where it says, wives, wives submit to your husbands. The command that is given in verse 18 is not a general command that is given of women towards men, but it is a specific command that is given specifically of wives toward their husbands. The word that is used here is used often to describe a bride or one who is betrothed or one specifically who is married. This is a command given not generally just to all women in society, but specifically to wives within their marriage and their home. And the reason for that is because God sees men and women as equal before him. They both bear the image of the creator. And when we see descriptions in the New Testament of the local church, we do not see a widening of the gap between men and women. We actually see a closing of the gap of men and women congregating and fellowshipping as the body of Christ together. There's so many examples of this. Acts has great examples. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 talks about how the early church was in one accord, and it specifically says together they were in one accord with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. By the way, isn't it just so awesome? This wasn't necessarily purposeful, but our precepts Bible study, they're going through the book of Acts right now. They are studying this carefully. Isn't it cool that God's word is always working together? that Scripture interprets Scripture, and that even though this wasn't planned, that what our church is studying in one Bible study is applying to what's happening on Sunday morning, that's the way it should be. That's a reflection of a Bible-based church. Praise the Lord for that. Look at some other examples in Acts. Acts chapter 17, verse 4, says that some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, but look at the end where it says that there were a few leading women, referring to women and their 
uh, the way that they were perceived in the local church. This is not referring to leading women who held the office of elder or pastor. Scripture makes it very clear in Titus and in 1 Timothy that that role is reserved specifically for men. But it also gives very clear indication that within the congregation, there were mature spiritual women who were respected in that community and who participated in the work of the church. So the church in Christianity is not seeking to divide men and women. That's not the purpose of Colossians 3.18. It's a command referring to the home and to the marriage, not a general statement about women being under men. We see that also in verse 12 of 17, women of high standing, again, referring to how they were viewed by their community, not referring to a specific office that they held. And all of this fits with the rest of Scripture, where Galatians 3.28 makes it clear that there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Again, that doesn't mean that distinctions are removed, but it means that one's identity in Christ supersedes those distinctions. That before the eyes of God, men and women are equally saved and, worthy, uh, and unworthy recipients of the worthy sacrifice of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.11 says the same thing, that uh, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. There's not a cause to divide men from women. Because as Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 say, we're really trying to hammer this point home, that now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Um, a gender gap between men and women was already existing in the Roman Empire. This was a cultural concept that already existed. But what was unique about Christianity was the opportunities for men and women to worship and serve God together, even though there were still distinct roles that were required in the home and within the office of leadership within the local church. So please do not misunderstand Colossians 3.18 to suggest that women in general are supposed to live under some kind of inferiority to men in this society. That is not the command here. But the command is for wives, those who are married to men, to subject themselves to their Husbands. Let's look at that next word, to submit, to subject oneself, is another way that perhaps someone could understand it. We see this elsewhere in Scripture. This isn't the only time that women are called to subject themselves to their husbands. We see this again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We see this in Titus chapter 2, verse 5 talking about a godly woman who is self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to her own husband. These are just a couple examples. First Peter chapter 3, in both verses 1 and 5, repeats this word. This is a consistent pattern in Scripture where wives are told to submit themselves specifically to their husbands. Something interesting about this word here is that the command that Paul gives in Colossians 3.18 for wives to submit themselves is a reflexive verb. It is a command about what one should do under their own power and decision-making. 
He could have just said, women are in submission to their husbands, therefore they should act like it. Instead, what he says is that women should submit themselves to their husbands, that they should subjugate themselves to their husbands, that that is a decision that they consciously choose to make in the way that they relate to their spouse, meaning that there is accountability, women, in what is being commanded of you. This is a decision of obedience that is brought before you that you can choose, and frankly, you have already choose whether to do or to not do. The word here is not that women are in submission to men. The command here is women, put yourself in submission to your husbands. That is a call of obedience that for those who claim that Christ is Lord should be reflected in their lives. We could spend hours this morning talking about all the reasons why your husband may not be worthy of you submitting to him. But that's not really the question. The question is not whether or not your husband is worthy of you obeying this command. The question is whether or not Christ is worthy of you obeying this command. This command, uh, this decision that is put for women to submit to their husbands is meant to be an outflow of what is commanded in verse 17 when we are called to do everything in word and deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does it mean then to subject oneself? What does it mean for a woman to consciously submit herself under her husband? To subject oneself means to personally and publicly recognize the authority of someone over you in your life and to show honor to that person, both publicly and privately, through humility and loyalty. To subject oneself means to consider one as greater than yourself and to take on the form of a servant. If these words sound familiar to you, it's because these are the exact words used to describe what Jesus did. Recognize then, ladies, that Christ is not asking any wife to subject herself to her sinful husband to any degree greater than Jesus himself subjected himself for your sinful husband. That Christ himself modeled the submission that is being asked of you in your marriage. That Christ was more valuable, had more intrinsic importance than all men and women combined, yet even he himself, for the sake of honoring his heavenly Father, and for the sake of loving others, even sinful people, made the conscious decision to subject himself, to lower himself for the sake of loving you and me. So recognize that what is being asked of you, wives, by Christ, is also something that was modeled by Christ. And wives, when you subject yourselves to your husbands, you model Christ's likeness in your home. In fulfilling God's command, you display the gospel in your marriage. You show the subjugation of Christ for the sake of loving sinners and the subjugation of yourself to the sinner that you're married to. You model to your children what it means to submit to Christ when you submit to their father. This is the command that is given of wives who 
desire to submit to Christ as Lord, if that is your desire of what you want to do for Christ as your Lord and Master, then show that obedience by choosing to submit willfully to your husband. That is the first point. Let's now talk about the second point. The second point focuses on the second half of the verse, where it says that wives, the second point says this, wives should submit to their husbands as an example of their submission to Christ, in tandem of what was just said. That when you look at the second half of verse 18, you see the words, as is fitting in the Lord. What's interesting about Colossians 3.18 is that what Paul wrote in the first half of Colossians 3.18 is very similar to what had already been written by a Roman historian named Plutarch around the time of the first century, that we see similar phrases like this already existing in ancient pagan culture of wives submitting to their husbands. That was actually a common accepted practice. This would not have been news to Christian women in Colossae receiving this letter. But what would have been different is the second half of the verse, where Paul says that women, you should choose to submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. Because in pagan culture, the reason why women were supposed to submit to their husbands is because the husbands demanded that they be treated as gods. Because the husbands were sinful and they wanted the pleasure of being treated with importance and respect by domineering over their wives. That command for wives to submit to their husbands was a selfishly motivated command in pagan culture where within the words of Scripture, the motivation that is given is that wives should submit themselves to their husbands not because of who their husband is, but because of who Jesus is. And not in reflection of who Christ is, but in reflection of who Christ is in their life. That word as, when it says as is fitting, that is a comparative adverb. Just as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you. It's comparing one thing to another thing. We might say that I'm as hungry as dot, 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 or I'm as excited as dot, dot, dot. We use that word as to compare something. And here in verse 18, Paul wants to make it very clear that a wife submitting to her husband is something that should be done as if or in reflection of, in expression of the way that she, she submits to Jesus. This does not mean that women are meant to see their husbands with some kind of God complex. But it does mean that women see Jesus as God, even to the point of submission, even in submission in their marriage. And men, let me tell you that this submission of wives in your marriage, do not make this an idol. Do not make this something that replaces the gospel. Do not be tempted by the pseudo-Christianity of people who call themselves Christians, but instead of ever talking about the gospel, the salvation from sin that is found by faith in Jesus Christ, all they talk about is how wives can live in more submission under them. 
Do not twist this and make an idol out of it. And if you are a man sitting here this morning, sitting pretty comfortably, enjoying the fact that most of today's message has been focused on what women should be doing, your Sunday is coming. Colossians 3.19 is only one verse away, and it's only seven days away. I hope I see you all there this, that morning, a week from today. Because just as God calls for all of us to see Christ as Lord in all of our lives, that is true not just for wives, but also of husbands. That submission is a reflection of one's submission to Christ. And not only that, when it says, as is fitting to the Lord, that also means that when you are submitting to your husband, it should look like behavior and actions that would fit perfectly with the behavior and actions of what Christ also requires of you. Meaning that if your husband is calling and leading you to do something that is contrary to what Christ has called you to do, you do not submit to your husband in that case. You do not submit under the authority of a husband who is leading you to disobey God's word because it is truly Christ, most of all, who is Lord of your life, not just an earthly husband. So wives, do not let unbelieving husbands or even shallow husbands Dictate your church attendance. Don't fall to the lowest common denominator uh, based on what may be a lack of spiritual strength on your husband's part. Instead, pray for him and be fervent in coming to church and taking part in the fellowship of believers and learning and growing and praying together. Do not think that submission means lowering your spiritual maturity to match with his. Your submission to Christ to be reflected in your submission to your husband, meaning what you do underneath the authority of your husband should fit, should pair with what you would also be doing for Jesus. So now in conclusion, we finally return to the question, did God really say? The irony is that this verse, Colossians 3.18, is a very simple verse. So simple, in fact, that even Bible college students translated as homework for their Greek classes. The problem is not that this verse is hard. The problem is that hearts are hard. Looking back in the garden when Satan tempted Eve, he told her that God required her obedience, according to the serpent at least, because God feared the woman. That God feared that if the woman disobeyed, that the woman would become like God. And Eve believed that lie. And even today, women still believe that lie that if they disobey this command that God has given in their homes and their marriages, that they will be liberated in some way, that they will gain power for themselves, that they will gain a freedom or an identity that is higher and greater than anything they have suffered through in the past, and that they can be free through their disobedience. For Scripture commands just the opposite, that there is freedom only in Christ. And that we as a church family, we need to honor and uplift the women in our church, both the current wives and the former wives and the future wives. We need to support them. We need to love them. We need to make the yoke easy for them. The servants submit in their marriages. And women, you need to model this for your daughters and for your granddaughters. Older women, you need to model this for the younger wives. Because people notice relationships. People pay attention to them. 
Reality TV shows are even made just putting cameras in front of men and women relating together because that's what impacts us. That's what we notice. And whether you recognize it or not, people notice your marriages. And they notice the way that wives act. And the way that wives act in their marriage is a reflection of the way that they see Christ. So let's honor Christ in our marriages. And husbands, we'll see you next week. Pray with me. Dear God, you are a good God. You are not a domineering God, even though you are Lord over all. You are not an unloving God, even though you have every right to have wrath poured out from your desire for justice. Lord, we pray for the women of our church. We pray that by your spirit, you work in their heart and sanctify them and challenge them to not believe the lie that the world tells them that commands to submit to their husbands is backwards or outdated, but they, they will choose to adorn themselves beautifully with obedience to you, even obedience in hard ways like within their marriage, and that we as husbands will love and encourage and support them in this and be a, a teammate alongside them as we lead them, Lord. And Lord, may you powerfully work through your word in all areas of our life, even the difficult ones, to glorify you and magnify you through our relationships, through our marriages, and through our families. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, church family. Have a great Sunday.